Warning, this podcast contains strong language, uncomfortable themes and irreverent humour. Basically everything you'd expect from a travel podcast named after a toilet in China. No shitting in the toilet. The travel podcast for when you've really lost it. Hi, I'm Peter Moore and welcome to No Shitting in the Toilet. As this is the very first episode of NSITT, I guess I should explain how this podcast is going to work and what it's about. Basically, No Shitting in the Toilet is the online version of those dodgy backpacker bars in Southeast Asia. You know, the ones, the cheap and friendly places where travellers gather together to share stories, pick up tips and generally just have a laugh. Each episode is going to concentrate on a particular aspect of travel things like accommodation, trains, border crossings, that kind of thing. And there'll be an expert guest on hand to share their hard-won wisdom and advice. Just think of them as the cool dudes you meet on the road who've been everywhere, know everything, and can rock a batik shirt when nobody else can. I'll also be sharing the travel stories that you guys send in. You can get them to me using social media or drop by noshittinginthetoilet.com and use the online form there. And finally... At the end of each episode, I'm going to wrap things up with a quick fire top five on the topic of the week. This week, we're talking about every traveller's favourite topic, toilets. Our first expert guest has been described as having a bottomless taste for the absurd, yet remains one of the most respected figures in the tourism industry today. He's the man behind the wildly successful sign-spotting books for Lonely Planet, collating weird and unintentionally funny signs from around the world. And he is a highly respected speaker on the tourism circuit, setting attendance records for a keynote speaker at ITB Berlin and presenting a funny and insightful talk about saving travel at TEDx Stockholm. His name is Doug Lansky and he joins me today from his COVID-19 bunker in Stockholm, Sweden. Hi, Doug. Hey, Peter. Doug, you're probably wondering why I've brought you on as my expert guest on a podcast about toilets. (laughs) (laughs) Yes yes and no. I mean, like most of your guests, I imagine we all have some experience with toilets. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the thing, because I thought for one thing, your books, from your books, I get this sense that you get the notioning in the toilet mantra. And that is that it's the absurd and the bizarre and the illogical that makes for a great travel story. Two... You've travelled to over 120 countries, so I figured you've had your fair share of experiences with toilets around the world, good and bad. And you're the only person I know with a fully functioning, high-tech Japanese toilet in your house. It was either that or I was going to put in a squatter. I wanted something to kind of have a little talking piece for my guests when they came for dinner parties and wanted to go to the bathroom. So as you can see, uh, dear listeners, the perfect man, the perfect man for this this uh, podcast about toilets. Mm. Now, I-, I wanted to ask you, why do you think it is that toilets become such a big obsession with travellers? I would have to preface that. Say it's, it's a big obsession with a certain genre of travellers. When I was out there like you, when we get started, was just doing all the backpacking stuff. I stayed in youth hostels for years and years and years. But now I'm speaking to corporate clients to, you know, Google Travel and Microsoft and I'm speaking at big travel conferences <laughs> where people are staying in nice hotels and nobody would ever talk about it. And it's not an issue because you're in a five star hotel. But, you know, when you're in a youth hostel and you're using squatters for the first time or these nasty ones on you know, the second class train toilets and, and everything in between, it's a topic for conversation. It's not it's nothing we grew up with. Uh, and it's challenging. It's a little bit scary at times. And often when you need it most, 
uh, you have to use it all the time. I always think of it as like, it's your, I'm not in Kansas anymore moment. You know what I mean? Where you sort of look down at that hole in the ground and contemplate, how do I even approach this? You realize you're not at home, you're out in the wide world and you're facing stuff that you've never had to face before. It's also real travel. You know, when we travel these days, the airports are all getting these modern makeovers. Uh, you can find fast food chains and other franchises everywhere you go. There's few things that really kind of force you to travel to like really make you realize that you're not at home anymore. I mean, I remember my first one. It was uh, when I went to Indonesia for the first time. I was still at uni and I can still see it in my mind. It was this hole in the ground that was in this blue tiled. And I remember the, you know, how they have the, the foot places either mm -hmm. side. I remember looking at it and thinking, this looks like Tutankhamun. <laughs> sort of those and you're trying to figure out which direction do you face when you have those foot pedals there you know do you face away from the door towards the door there's a little cup there with a spigot what the hell is that for i mean <laughs> there's a lot of puzzling things going down oh yeah exactly i mean and oh, it doesn't have to be a, a squatter it can be your first introduction to a bidet if you don't Absolutely. you know if you haven't grown up with a bidet it's quite it's quite a, a difficult thing to figure out are you talking about the ones that are like built in? It's like a little tube that sometimes sticks up a little bit too far. Well, yeah, that's that's that can be problematic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I first saw one of those bidets, those kind of the nice sort of French ones there with a the little hand shower thing, I thought that was for people who wanted to wash their hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm, you're not alone there. I'm sure lots of people. People have actually but, done it. <laughs> you know what I think the most dangerous ones are? The most dangerous toilets in the world are the ones that look like our Western toilets. They've got like a flimsy kind of plasticky seat on them. And yeah. when you sit down, they're not actually attached in the back. So they're just sort of precariously balanced there. So if you don't sit down perfectly straight, you know, you've pulled down your, your trousers and you're sitting down this thing, it just slides off because it's totally disconnected. And you next, and you land on your ass on the floor and it hurts <laughs> you have like a toilet wipeout obviously we're talking from from our perspective of, of facing a, a squatter toilet but of course for other cultures that are used to using squatter toilets the western toilet can be just as you know enigmatic and uh, unfathomable we have to start with this premise that squatting makes a lot more sense you don't touch anything to anything except your feet to the floor it's a much more hygienic thing and the position that it forces your body into is how we're meant to go from the beginning. That's how we're hardwired to go with your body kind of bent up that way, like you're squatting. Yeah. Everything, all the pipes kind of line up in a better way. Uh, so for those who've done it their whole life, and they don't want to put their bum on some other unsanitary seat <laughs> where every other bum has been. So I remember being in some international airport and seeing some footprints up on the, the toilet seat. And my immediate reaction was to to look up and see if someone was changing the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I said before, I'm, I'm going to be asking my guests uh, for their best and worst experiences or stories about the topic that we're talking about. Um, now, you've got the pleasure of sharing, I guess, your best and worst toilet experiences in your travels. Well, I mean, when I think of best, it's not like I had one bowel moment that was so amazing that I like wrote it in my diary. I mean, it's sort of like anytime I make it to the toilet in time, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the best, there's really not a best so much. On the worst side, I remember the most awkward. Uh, but what happened in my case, I was 
I had just spent like nine days going up the Amazon on one of these cargo ships. I thought it was going to be some great adventure, but it was boring. And then when I got to Colombia in the middle <laughs> of a jungle, when I got up there to Leticia, um, had, there were two other travelers. We were all bored. We rented a dugout canoe with a 50 horsepower motor and a driver and a couple barrels uh, of petrol. And we went as far up these little tributaries as we could to have our little jungle adventure. No plan. We found some really cute little village with little villagers who are all running around basically, you know, near naked. And we stayed with them. They, the chief spoke some Spanish. The rest of them spoke a local dialect, so we couldn't understand most of the people. Uh, so we were there. And like day one, had to go to the bathroom. And you don't want to venture too far into the jungle. Took a roll of toilet paper with me. And as I start kind of walking into the edge of the jungle or whatever the heck that is, uh, and I, I couldn't kind of communicate. Like when I remembered, I asked the chief, where should I go to the bathroom? He just pointed to the jungle. So I, you know, that's where I, I went. And I start walking out to these trees. And I look behind, and there's like 15 villager kids following me. <laughs> and I was like, I turned around, and I told them to kind of like, shoo, to like, you know, go away. And they didn't understand that. So they just kept following me. And then I found my little spot in the jungle where I was going to go number two. And they formed a ring around me. And they were about two meters away, all wanted to see how the white man <laughs> poops. And I couldn't communicate to them that I wanted them to go away. Uh, I mean, we were guests there. I can't start yelling at them. I just, and I can't, they didn't understand my whole shooing away motion. I don't know. Maybe they thought I was doing a butterfly or something. I don't know. So I just <laughs> sat down and closed my eyes. And like took this, you know, also again, you're, you're balancing on the jungle floor there. And then like, once you've gone, do you cover, I just took my, <laughs> I took my shoe and I just kind of like kicked some dirt and leaves over it. I don't know. Maybe they thought that that was totally inappropriate. Maybe they thought I should have dug a hole or maybe they, I don't know. I felt like everything I was doing was completely wrong in their eyes. Yeah. It was the most embarrassing. Just imagine having to do number two in front of a ring of people who were like, <laughs> you could almost reach out and touch. I, I've got this image in my mind now that if you went to this little settlement now, uh, the, the arm movements, the butterfly arm movements has been incorporated into the, <laughs> into the local <laughs> toilet practices. Uh, as part of this, I, I put a call out on social media for people to tell me their, their toilet stories. And I got what you just told me reminded me of this one I got from Vic from Sydney. And he was in the Mentawai Islands in Indonesia, similar situation, in, you know, staying in a tribal village, the headman pointing to the jungle saying, go there and watch out, but watch out for snakes. And he's saying, so I dug a hole, did what I had to do, burnt the paper and covered the hole. But no sooner had I walked a few steps away before a wild boar raced in, dug it up and ate the lot. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now why I mention that is because I went to the Mentawai Islands and I had almost the exact same situation, except the little pig that ran up and, you know, finished, scoffed what I'd done, uh, was later that night slaughtered and served up, <laughs> <laughs> served up as our dinner. So was, <laughs> you to find an excuse to not eat it. Well, I, I kind of told myself, look, it hasn't had a chance to go through its system. This is, uh, uh, brings us, uh, it's a nice little tie-in actually, because I think everyone has a, a, a horror story, a toilet story, and, and people love telling them, people love hearing them, and, you know, not the gory details a lot of the time. 
and it's again it's like we were talking about this aspect of travel sort of embracing the absurd and the ridiculous and 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 enjoying it because i mean they're the stories that you dine out on so to speak if you went to a dinner <laughs> If yes you, and no. <laughs> well, if you go to a dinner party, oh, maybe I go to the wrong kind of dinner parties. But I just think if you go there and it's, oh, yes, I went to the Maldives and I stayed in a lovely five-star hotel, people's eyes start to glaze over. But, you know, if you start telling this horrific story of the time you were surrounded by 15 children as you tried to take a dump, uh, yeah, it gets people's attention. It's, it's memorable. <laughs> A big thank you to Doug for agreeing to be our very first guest and sharing his story so generously. If you head over to noshittinginthetoilet.com, you'll be able to find more about Doug and his books, as well as his exciting new YouTube channel, Destination X. No Shitting in the Toilet is about travellers sharing stories. So last week, I put out a call on my social media channels for you guys to tell me your tales about toilets. Thankfully, you responded, so much so that I won't be able to read them all out on air. But fear not. If you don't get rid out today, your stories won't remain untold. If you head over to notioningintheToilet.com, you'll find them posted on the page for this episode. You'll also find a page to share stories for upcoming episodes. Now, on to your stories. Our first story comes from Gareth in Brussels. As a young man, my family took a trip to the US where I first encountered a bidet. Believing this to be the kind of Silicon Valley-style innovation the toilet has always needed... I gave it a swift one-two to see what it was made of, squatting rather perilously over the wide brim of the bowl. I still remember the look on my mother's face as she picked up one stool after the other and slung them into the loo. Jesse from Ontario remembers his first backpacker trip to Taiwan. The first time I went to the toilet at my hostel in Taipei, I noticed that each stall had a shower head as well. Being young and naive, I didn't realise that it was simply a poor man's bidet. So after going to the toilet, I stripped off and took a full-on shower. Thinking that was what everyone was doing, I started going to the store wearing only a towel, doing my business, and then using the bidet to take a shower. Every day, for a week. You heard me mention Vic from Sydney's story about his experience with pigs in the Mentawai Islands when I was chatting with Doug. Well, Lisa from Port Macquarie has a story involving animals too, this time from Pondicherry in India. This didn't happen to me, she says, but I figure I can share. My travelling companion had the misfortune of needing to use a squat toilet where the back of the loo was open to the elements. Mid-motion, she was startled to find a cow licking her behind. I wish I could have captured her facial expression afterwards. John from Liverpool in the UK has sent us a salutary tale on the importance of footwear. Travelling through Southeast Asia, I caught the night train from Bangkok to Nong Kai, he says. I needed the toilet but couldn't find my shoes, so I decided to chance it in a pair of white socks. Huge mistake. The toilet was just a hole in the floor and the floor was soaking. When I got back to my bunk, the white socks were a graying yellow colour. I put them straight in the bin. None of you, it seems, like having an audience. This from Alan in Epsom. When my wife and I went travelling, I was extremely reluctant to shit in the open air. We did the Inca Trail and for four days my ass seemed to have gone into anaphylactic shock. Finally, in Bolivia, the goading got too much for me and I decided to brave the elements. We were in a tiny village on the way back from the salt flats and I wandered off, toilet roll and wipes in hand, to go behind the wall that enclosed a sort of communal midden. I took a deep breath, lowered my pants and trousers, squatted and a jeep full of tourists drove past at that exact moment. 
I seem to remember cheering, or at least some enthusiastic waving. What I don't remember is ever trying to crap in the open air again. Alan is not alone. Karen from Warnerville wrote to tell us about the time she got caught out taking a leak behind a palm tree on the banks of the Nile during a felucca trip. I hadn't realised I was backing onto a major highway, she explains. A convoy of jeeps came over the rise and the sight of my pale skin, auburn hair and bare bottom caused quite a commotion. All the vehicles pulled over and there was a riot of horns tooting and excited yelling in Arabic. My urge to pee was quickly replaced by the urge to flee. At least all Karen lost was her dignity. Pete from Oxford lost so much more. A couple of hours into a 10-hour bus journey from Ulaanbaatar to Dalarnazad, Pete was struck down by terrible stomach cramps. Luckily, the bus stopped at a small settlement in the middle of the Gobi Desert, and he was able to make a dash for the only toilet, a wooden shack with a hole in the ground. I'd sensibly brought a toilet roll with me, he explains in his email. So I took off my backpack, put it on the front, unzipped it to find the toilet roll and squatted down. Just as I was reaching in to grab the toilet roll, a huge gust of wind blew the door open and the queue of my fellow passengers got a good look at what I was doing. My first reaction was to lunge forward and grab for the door, but as I did so, the toilet roll, along with my travel cushion and a few other items, fell out of my unzipped backpack and into the dark, disgusting pit below. Our passports were also in that bag, but by some miracle I managed to grab them before they also fell into the abyss. As a side note, my wife doesn't let me carry our passports anymore. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. Andy, originally from the Wirral, but now living on Waikiki Island in New Zealand, recounts how a dodgy stomach in Southeast Asia was the making of him. I'd just travelled three days on a slow boat down the Mekong and arrived in Luang Prabang on Bastille Day. I celebrated with some wine and cheese and a few beers. Later, at sundown, there was a street market. Boom, 12 beers and any food put in front of me. 30 minutes later, and it was exorcist-level shitting and puking, with a 48-hour bus journey to the Vietnamese border the next day. I stuffed three rolls of toilet paper up my ass, ate nothing the whole trip, and only drank a thimble of water, just in case it went through me. That journey made me who I am today. Johnny, a lifelong Brit based in Glasgow, West End, writes about a toilet he came across in Voy in Kenya. It was little more than a rugby crossbar, he says, suspended over an eight-foot-deep pit, requiring a two-foot jump to reach it. You had to jump, pivot, balance and land perfectly or you really were literally in the shit, he explains. Not easy when your stomach is in full gurgling, sphincter-loosening, sweat-pouring mode after a spicy teppanyaki the night before. John, a Brit now living in Melbourne, shares a tale from his three-month backpacking trip around South America with his brother. We had just arrived in the Chilean city of Antofagasta and stayed in our usual sort of digs a cheap flop house. As we'd just endured a 10-hour bus journey, we decided to go straight out for beers and food. We ended up having quite a big night. The hotel had eight rooms on each floor, but only one shared bathroom. I was woken at 7am by my brother at the foot of my single bed, with a Tesco's carrier bag clutched to his backside saying, Help me! The French couple next door had commandeered the bathroom for the past 40 minutes. In the end, he just let go, and a sickly stench hit the air. I put my head under the sheets before I gagged. Finally, proof that not all toilet experiences have to be bad. Andy Windsor, or maybe Andy from Windsor, shares his top toilets from his travels. My favourite toilets include the men's restroom in the foundation rooms at the top of the Mandalay Hotel in Las Vegas. You get a great view right down the strip. And the urinals at Brockett Hall. 
Brockett Hall is infamous for being where Lord Brockett tried to bury his Ferraris in the grounds as part of an insurance scam. When I visited, the urinals had goldfish in them, rising and falling with each flush. But it's not all great views and goldfish, apparently, though. The urinals he came across on a trip to Mexico in 1990 put him off Corona beers for life. He explains, Every place I went to had urinals filled with limes, often in bars where adding a slice of lime to Corona was the done thing. Each week I'm going to end no shitting in the toilet with a quick fire top five of my own. This week, my five most memorable toilets, both good and bad. Number five, the toilet at the bus terminal in Tabriz in Iran. To be honest, I can't remember much of the toilet other than reaching it was a blessed relief. What I can remember, what I can still remember, however, is how to say where is the toilet in Farsi. Dashui, in case you're ever wondering. As soon as the bus arrived, I was dashing around the terminal shouting it like a madman, going up to people and grabbing them, going, Dashui, Dashui. Um, and in the process, convincing the locals that what the Ayatollah had said about drug-fucked Westerners was true. Number four, the only Western toilet in Shinjuku. Actually, I don't know for a fact that it was the only Western toilet in Shinjuku, but it was the only one I had access to. It was in this office block where I taught English to the president of a public relations company. It wasn't anything fancy, just your standard corporate chrome and marble affair, but I would plan my whole day around visiting it. Compared to the filthy squatter in the gauging house where I was living, it was a commode fit for a king. Number three, the toilet at Marindi's house in Tirana. Marindi was this smooth kind of flash guy that I'd met in Skanderberg Square in Tirana, and he insisted I came and stayed at his house on the outskirts of town. Now, the most interesting thing about Marindi's house, apart from the fact that he kicked his wife and kids out so I could sleep on the sofa, was his toilet. Um, in his determination to learn English, he'd papered the walls of the toilet with pages from English language magazines and books. But interestingly, the only publications he'd been able to get his hands on were the Book of Mormon and Penthouse Forum. So on one wall, Jehoshaphat was telling the Mormons to come out of the desert. On the other, J.L. from Ohio was relating a tale that involved a brunette, crotchless panties and a carrot. I christened it the Marindi Method. Doesn't seem to have caught on. Number two. The Lou with a View at Pak Ben in Laos. This was an old school squatter, but it was kind of attached to the side of a hotel that overlooked the river and the port. Well, it had a window right at eye level, so you had these amazing views over the Mekong as it swept south towards Luang Prabang. My guidebook had described it as probably the best view from a bathroom in the whole of Laos. I reckon you'd be hard-pressed to find a better view from a bathroom anywhere. Finally, number one the toilet at Jack's Cafe in Dali. Now, this wasn't a particularly horrific experience. I only had to wee. But that toilet, and the sign in particular, changed my life. You see, the sewerage system at the cafe obviously couldn't cope with anything too substantial. So the owner, Jack, had painted one of those circles with a line through it, you know, the ones that forbid things. Except it didn't have a smouldering cigarette or a camera or a dog. It, it, this crossed-out circle featured a little man squatting. You couldn't really see the strain on his face, but you could see the product of his labours, shall we say. Anyway, painted underneath were the words, no shitting in the toilet. 
that sign provided the name and the philosophy of my first book, which in turn got me gigs as a writer and a radio presenter, and opened up a whole world for me to do what I really wanted to do, which was go on grand adventures and write about them. And in a funny way, it's brought us all here today to this podcast, which in itself is the latest iteration of that no shitting in the toilet philosophy. You've got to love a toilet for that. Well, that brings us to the end of our very first episode of No Shitting in the Toilet, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to pop over to the website, notionintotoilet.com, to find out more about our expert guest, Doug Lansky, and to read the listeners' stories about toilets that didn't make it on air. While you're there, check out the page called Tell Us Your Tales. It lists the upcoming episodes, and I'd love to hear your travel stories about those related topics. Speaking of upcoming episodes, the next one is about sleeping. I'll be talking with Phoebe Smith, an adventurer and wild sleeping expert, about the joys and otherwise of bedding down while travelling. I'll also be sharing the five most memorable places I've spent the night, and of course, the best stories you guys send me. Until then, stay safe and happy travels, even if it is just virtual at the moment. No Shitting in the Toilet is a Vagabond Editions production. Written, presented and produced by Peter Moore.